this whole idea of imposter syndrome is just this belief that's completely incorrect that we've got in our heads that no one else thinks and we're just waiting for someone to find us out one day. The more you realise that thoughts are just thoughts, majority of the time they're not true. And the more that you can just back yourself and know that you're doing the best job that you can, you're being a good person, if you're putting your all in, then... 95% of the time, it's always going to work out. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting-edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to the Selling with Love podcast. Now, the guest that I'm bringing to you today is a fellow podcaster that I admire the work that she does and has been able to bring some of the best talent in the world onto her podcast and regularly has conversations with some of the most extraordinary minds on the planet. And by doing so, she's actually been able to hone in on what exactly does it mean to live a life of greatness. This is the title of her podcast. And Sarah Grinberg also has her own community where she tries to unlock the greatness within all the individuals within our community. And what I want to be able to focus with her today is really understanding what is the definition of greatness? What does it mean to be living that flow in her life? And how does it actually empower you as you're building your business, maybe advancing your sales career to understand what is it that you truly want so that you are on the right path to building exactly the kind of business or project that aligns with your own goals. Now, this podcast is the number one podcast for personal growth out in Australia. And I'm so excited to have Sarah Greenberg joining me today. Sarah, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I know I'm just a little north of you here in Bali and you're out, I believe, in Melbourne. Yes, that's correct. Here in beautiful Melbourne. Amazing. Now, I am so impressed with your podcast. Now, you've been hosting, producing. It's one of the top well-rated podcasts in the space of wellness and personal growth. I'd be curious to kind of start with your own journey here. Like you've worked in the field of broadcasting and then you've started doing your own show. So I'd love to hear about your path into having your own show and then making it the greatest. Absolutely. So I have been a producer for many years, firstly working in radio. I, as you said, have worked in broadcast for nearly 12 years now in a lot of different roles, but in producing for quite a few. And so I did radio producing for a very long time and I got to know the ins and outs of doing that. And I've worked with talent for a very long period of time because I was in PR before I got into radio. And then I was in that space for a while. I did breakfast radio for many years, very grueling hours. And at that time, then the company I work for bought Podcast One, which was a company in America, and then they made that as part of podcasting within them. And then I moved into that area and started off as a producer. And now a host came up with the idea for A Life of Greatness, which is the podcast that you were mentioning. And that's been an absolute passion of mine. But I'm also hosting another podcast and producing a few others as well, which is always fun. It's great. And I think working behind the scenes has made me really understand what it's like to be in front of the mic or behind the mic as well. So that's helped with my growth along my journey. 
What I love about your journey is I make a lot of similarities to my own, whereas I've decided to work for a company and be what I would call a quote unquote intrapreneur, which is almost like having an advantage of leveraging existing assets of a big company and getting a chance to have yourself be propelled at the front of it to build your own brand at the same time. And I feel like a lot of people discredit this journey of honing your skill within an existing organization, which pretty much prepared you for the role that you do now. So. I want to maybe ask for anybody considering building their own brand and they are completely rejecting the idea of working within a company. What unique advantages do you feel that it was able to provide you that people might be ignoring when they're on their path? Jason, that's a brilliant question because I always reflect on my different roles that I've had at this media company, which is one of the biggest media companies. It's the biggest radio station in the Southern Hemisphere. So I started off in promotions and at that time when I was doing, it was kind of called an activation role where I would do these big competitions and stunts and all that. I'd work with the different shows in activating them. And at the same time, I had a dual role that was looking after the talent's endorsement. So I was kind of doing what a talent manager would do. So that prepared me to know how to deal with talent, which is obviously a big part of being a producer, but also a host. And then from there, I decided I wanted to do producing. So I used to sit on the radio shows, you know, after hours, they'd teach me how to use the phones. I'd work with literally the best producers in Australia, seeing how they'd run these different radio shows, ask questions and all this kind of stuff until one day a position came up for an assistant producer. They put me on it and I found that it was really easy because a lot of the skills that I had from doing the other roles, it just sort of came naturally. And I sat in that space for a long period of time. I learned you know, the behind the scenes editing and doing all those different bits and pieces until I got put in a proper executive producer role. And I did that. It was like a Sunday night show. And I did that for a while that got moved to be a breakfast show because it was very successful. And if you're working in radio, the helm of any radio station is their breakfast show. That is like the show. So I worked hardcore hours, but also it's like go, 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 news of the day, entertainment of the day. You have to be at the forefront of what's going on. So I got that experience doing that. And also, you know, you're living and breathing, working with talent. You're working with social media people. You're working with publishers and all kinds of people. So you make a lot of connections along the way as well. So then when I got asked to move into podcasting and do that, even though at the time I barely knew what a podcast was, it actually was a no-brainer because I had all this experience from working in all these other roles. And then, as I said, I worked in that for about a year or so until I had the idea of a life of greatness. And then it was nothing but natural when I got to sit behind the mic, it was like I'd been doing it all my life, even though I had really never done it before, because I understood what it was like to listen to people interview for so many years. I'd hear when people would cut other people off. So I understood as a listener what I wanted most. And so then when I was in the role of a host, I was able to use all of the learnings to make the interview the quality that it is. So yeah, I think working at a big company gave me so many skills to allow me to be where I am now. And not only that, I mean, the company I'm at has been able to give me all these opportunities as well. I mean, to be able to sit in an interview and use the best studios in the world with the best equipment, with the best audio producers, have a social media team there. I mean, there's so many attributes about why 
it's been a really great place to work and really good at starting me off on my career into podcasting. I absolutely love this, Sarah. And I want to make a clear distinction is that you've made a choice to do this within the organization and you've been propelled to the position that you are now. You're the host, you're the face, your own personal brand is being assisted by this company. But I feel like a lot of times people actually think that it's, hey, I need to leave the organization to go out there and make myself successful. Yet they've been within maybe the same company as you, but they haven't had a chance to move into the positions to move up within the organization. And so one thing I want to acknowledge is you're the one who've made that happen. You've manifested this kind of career path for yourself. And I'd be curious to know, what do you think are some of the qualities that you had that while being in an organization like this, you could take full advantage of the opportunities that were right in front of you while most people are completely blind to it? Yeah, that's really interesting. Well, I always wanted to work in media for such a long time and I worked in corporate for a while in marketing. I worked in banks in marketing and I worked at a big online real estate, it's called realestate.com for a long period of time in marketing. And I used to carpool with this girl and we would drive past the offices of where I work now and I used to always look and it was like I was manifesting without knowing it, going, God, I'd love to work there. I'd really love to work there. So when it came up, which it was such a synchronicity, I wanted to work there. Then I found out someone I knew worked there. I sent them an email. They said, wow, I've actually got an opening in my team. It was all these things that I feel were meant to be. So by the time I got the job, I was so unbelievably grateful. And I think that's a big part of it as well. Like a lot of people will get jobs, but Are they really grateful for where they are? So from day dot, I was so unbelievably grateful to have this job and I loved it. And I knew, like I looked around me because it was all open plan and I saw the big studios and I thought that's where I want to be. Like even though I was working in activation and doing talent management, I thought I really want to be in the thick of it, the radio shows. I didn't mind those kind of stressful environments where they're frantic, but there's this energy that was so palpable. So I thought, no, I'm going to put my hand up and unpaid, I would stay back late at night and I would sit on those late night shows. And they'd, like I said, they'd teach me how to use the phones. They'd teach me the ins and outs of what it was like to be a radio producer. And then on the same time, I'd wake up at the crack of dawn and come in there at 5am and sit with the breakfast producers unpaid before my proper day job started. And they would teach me how to do all the different bits and pieces. And when other producers and noticing your get up and go there's a young person coming in and she's doing all this stuff for free she's answering the right questions she's just doing everything that they would like if they were to have someone there who was going to work with them when a job comes up you're the first person that they think of and that's kind of what happened with me so you know sometimes you don't get paid and you have to wake up early or stay late, but it's worth it when you're passionate about it. And I knew producing was always something that I wanted to do. So having then been given the opportunity to do it, to learn how to do it, then of course I was going to put my hands up to do it for free. And then that became a paid role in the end. That's so incredible. And it's testimony that, you know, to get extraordinary results, you can't do ordinary actions. And in your case, it's amazing that you went to take those kinds of initiatives, which most people don't do. And it's sometimes a lot of hard work, but it's not complicated. They seem quite obvious. 
And in your case, look how many dividends it's paid. And so for a lot of people that I find, you know, might be struggling in their current employment, they're not getting the satisfaction, they don't feel like they're getting promoted. I don't know if they have that same level of work ethic that you have and that you've shown up. I find it so fascinating because I've had a similar experience at Valley. As far as how it came up, I remember just watching what they were doing and saying like, wow, it'd be great to work there. And then synchronicity happened where an email came in, said I could visit the office. And then I ended up being there. And then, you know, one thing led to another where I was in a role there and I decided to join. But maybe there's one thing I'd want to highlight is it sounds like the company you worked with had a very open culture. I want to maybe touch on that. What would be some advice you'd have for some people that might have that same energy and drive as you, but might not be within an organization or might not even think that an organization exists that has the kind of culture that would recognize and promote this initiative? That is also a fabulous question, because like I said, I was in many companies before that didn't have that, or not only that, they didn't actually have anywhere for me to go. So for example, if we take the banks, they're huge. And I was in the marketing team, but I looked around and I thought, really, I don't want to go into events. And the other spaces, like there was product development and online, they weren't for me. So there wasn't anything else that really actually interested me. This is the first company I've worked for where there's been this variety of roles that have just gotten better and better and better. And I think I've hit the pinnacle, but... It wasn't like in my head I was like, I'm going to be a host one day. I never thought that. So I didn't properly manifest that. It came so beautifully along the way of my journey from promotions to talent management to producing to then podcast producing to then being a host. It was just this beautiful, natural progression. But I would say if someone is in a company that doesn't offer those other things, then potentially look at another company that you think you would be worthwhile in that does have that big band to grow in. I think that is, especially if you're younger and getting into the market, I think that is a really critical thing because, yeah, you can be at a place and sit in a job for a while, but inevitably you're going to get over it. So if it's a company that has room for you to move, then that's always a really great place to be. One thing I'd probably want to see where you land on, which is this whole idea of feeling like you wanted to be in this media company. Like you almost had an innate knowing that this was kind of your path. And, you know, oftentimes they say you need to know what your passion is, what your purpose is. And obviously you didn't specifically know that it was going to be host an amazing podcast on wellness, but you had something that draw you into that industry. So I'd be curious to know what are the hints that you were getting and maybe how you were able to nurture an awareness of which industry you wanted to go in, even if you didn't know if that was really ultimately where you needed to be. Yeah. So from the age of four, I loved entertainment and acting and films. And I thought I want to be an actor. Yep. That was my number one thing. And I studied theater for a long period of time. I went to every acting school under the sun in Melbourne. I was in every play at school. Then I went into uni and did theater studies and studied film and all this kind of stuff. And then I finished that and I did a postgraduate in PR. And then I got a job at an entertainment PR firm and it wasn't exactly all it was cracked up to be. And I thought, I don't think this is for me. It was a bit too hardcore. And then I just fell into marketing, which was interesting. And I enjoyed that. And at that time I was doing above the line and below the line marketing. So TV commercials and radio ads, and then, you know, below the line marketing, like DMs and things like that. And I like that, but 
I felt like it was still too much behind the scenes. I wasn't in the action enough. And that's when I worked at the big banks and all these other like really big companies that had huge amount of money to spend within marketing. But there was something missing and I knew that it was entertainment that I wanted to be in. I always, from that four-year-old girl, it was entertainment. So a few people said you'd be really good at a radio station and that's how it kind of came about. I mean, it took me a long time to get there. You know, I had about 10 or so years of my career that wasn't entertainment. It started a little bit in entertainment, but then it kind of moved. But it was really interesting because once I actually landed the role at the radio station, I wouldn't say this still, but I remember at the time thinking this is one of the best moments of my life. When I got that job, Jason, I actually thought this is one of the best moments of my life because it was exactly what I wanted. And then I just loved the job. I thought it was brilliant. And I mean, you know, I've had my ups and downs within 11 years, as most people would in any job. But in saying that, I have the opportunities that I had there have been immense and I'm getting more opportunities next year. Like they just keep growing. And I think if we kind of touch on manifestation and love, especially because it's the podcast, I mean, I wasn't at all a consciously aware person up until, I don't know, maybe six or seven years ago. And then when I understood what conscious awareness was, I was able to then be able to manifest and put all my energy into what I actually wanted. And then I also realized, you know, having purpose is a brilliant thing, but really it's giving back and being able to educate others that really made me want to thrive in life and be able to do the podcast and kind of go down the path that I've gone. Because when that sense of being able to enrich other people's lives occurred, that changed everything for me. It's absolutely brilliant. And I love that you've kind of hinted towards something I already noticed as a quality in your behavior is around this aspect of love and appreciation. For your entire journey, it seems like you've always showed up in a place of appreciation for no matter where you were going. And I think that attitude probably attracts even more things towards you, which is where I'd want to maybe inject a bit of the selling part of what we usually speak about on the podcast, which is a lot of people have an issue when it comes to selling themselves. And this could be a block. Maybe they're thinking like sales is bad. You shouldn't over promote yourself. And I feel like in your case, you've went through some various ventures that made you nurture your salesmanship, whether it was in the talent management and even as a podcast host, I know you're often making pitches for people to come on your show and you've had incredible people like Jay Shetty. You've had Matthew McConaughey. You had Daniel Ricardo for Formula One fans. That's a driver in the Formula One. Incredible. I'm very envious of that interview because I would definitely love a conversation with him. But I'd love to see, like, where does your relationship with sales lie and how helpful was it to bring you on this path? It's really interesting because I think I was quite afraid of sales for a long period of time because I'm not that type of person who is out there selling myself and I'm the greatest. And I see myself as being quite humble because I don't really like people who are showy. I feel I can smell it a mile away and I'm like, oh, you don't need to act like that. And I think the thing with me, Jason, is I wasn't like that. I was natural and I was just being exactly who I am. And that's why a lot of people tend to enjoy my podcast interviews because I am myself and I'm natural and I ask questions that everyone wants to know. And I think as far as sales are concerned, it's just showing up and being the best version of yourself and not pretending to be someone that you're not. Because 
I can tell when someone's pretending to be someone that they're not. Jason, I'm sure you can tell when someone's pretending to be someone who they're not. And I think that's when we fault as well. That's when we trip up, when we're not being true to who we are. And I feel like when you are true to who you are, then people will flock to you. And that's when that whole selling part comes in because you're not being anything besides the person that you genuinely are. And I never try to over-promote myself. I would never try to under-promote myself. One thing that I did have to learn though, and I think this is interesting, and it'd be interesting to hear how you've also gone with this. When I first came into this space, obviously social media is a big part of it. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, like I can't put a photo of myself on social media. That's just not my thing. Like I'm not a selfie person. And I'm just like, that's not my jam. And I remember actually interviewing Vision, your friend, and he looked at my Instagram and he goes, Sarah, you need to add more photos of yourself onto it. And I'm like thinking, no, I can't do that. Like, it's just not me. And he's like, Sarah, there's like no photos of you on here. There's like photos of everyone you've interviewed and barely any of you. It was actually the most brilliant advice he's ever given me. And I remember I went out and I had this whole photo shoot. And you know what, Jason, it's like the more you do it, the more you don't care. The more I started to just put photos on and, you know, years later now, I couldn't care less. It was actually quite a block for me at the start because I felt funny promoting myself. I felt funny being the center of attention because I always had been behind the scenes and I always was used to propping other people up. That's what you do as a producer. And then when it came to actually putting me front and center, it was fine to just talk to people on the podcast. But when I actually had to do it on social media, I found that to be a little bit frightening. But like anything, the more you do it, the more you become comfortable with it. Now I couldn't care less. I love that. And your whole journey kind of touches on a few points that I'd love to highlight. The first one is just this idea of a caricature of a salesperson being this pushy, loud speaking, obnoxious person. I think that's just a generation of salespeople that just aren't effective in the marketplace, no matter where they are. What I really love about your journey is you actually had innate value within your skill sets and your experience. And that made it so that a lot of your work showed for itself. But you also said something very key, which is you've never under promoted yourself. And so you had the confidence to be able to acknowledge the skills that you had for everything that was showing up for you. And I think that's actually really, really important. And as far as this fear of putting yourself out there, this is something I struggle with as well. And I know a lot of the listeners might be going through this, which is you can sell or promote something that isn't directly you. It could be a guest, it could be working for a company, a product of a company, but when it becomes putting yourself out there, selling your product, there's a whole other layer of whether it's imposter syndrome, nervousness, fear of rejection, all of these things come into the mix. And the best advice that I feel I've captured from what you said is that nothing you start feels natural at the beginning. And just getting started and doing it, you realize you became more comfortable and now it just becomes a part of your life. And I just wanna make sure to emphasize on that because whenever you're promoting yourself and your business or you're using social media or any other channels to putting yourself out there and that fear of like, oh my God, this feels awkward is there, I feel it. Sarah's felt it and it's only through the repetition that it becomes more normal and I remember the first time I jumped on a snowboard I was terrible I was awkward and it's only when I practice I started enjoying it and so even if you're out there and you feel like you don't enjoy sales you don't enjoy the self-promotion that often is necessary when you build your business it always feels a little awkward when you start but if you trust the process you can find yourself in great spaces 
Sarah, I want to ask one thing, which is, you know, a lot of people deal with imposter syndrome. And it's very hard for them to get started. When you first got behind the microphone, any of that come up and how did it get started and how did you overcome it if it ever happened? Well, actually, I'll give you a better scenario where it did happen, where I was given the biggest celebrities in Australia who are two boys called Hamish and Andy. They're the biggest podcast in Australia and their thing that they do is comedy and they are hilarious, gorgeous guys. There is not one Australian that does not know these boys. So when I moved into podcasting, out of nowhere, the general manager of my company said, Sarah, I secretly want to tell you that the boys are stopping their radio show and they're actually moving into podcasting next year and we'd like you to be the executive producer of their podcast. And the guy that was working on their podcast as their executive producer for their radio show was like the best producer in Australia. I'm thinking to myself, me? You want me to be their producer, the biggest celebrities in Australia who have the biggest radio show of all time? their executive producer. I mean, I was like, okay, like who doesn't take that opportunity? And I remember thinking, when are they going to find out that I'm no good? It's only about time till they find out that like, I don't know what I'm doing. Even though I was an experienced producer, I just thought, you know, they're so big, like they're not going to think that I'm any good. Anyway, four years on, I am still their executive producer. And this year I said to them at the start of the year, this will be my last year after this. I need to actually do more stuff for myself. I want to do more hosting and I love you like no other, but I don't want to work behind the scenes as much anymore. And I was crying when I was telling them because it's been the best four years of my life. They are the most beautiful humans. But the whole point, Jason, is I would never have thought that I was the one telling them that I got to leave. Never. I mean, I thought I was going to last two months in that role. My imposter syndrome was so bad. I was waiting for them to like go, "Uh uh-uh, she ain't no good. And it never happened because during that time, I realized I was as good as anyone else that they'd had. And I think it's this whole idea of imposter syndrome is just this belief that's completely incorrect that we've got in our heads that no one else thinks and we're just waiting for someone to find us out one day. But again, I think like anything, the more you realize that thoughts are just thoughts, they're not always true. Majority of the time, they're not true. They're just a thought. And the more that you can just back yourself and know that you're doing the best job that you can, you're putting in hard work, you're being a good person. I mean, what more could you ask for? When you know that you've done all those things, then if the job's not right, the job's not right. But if you're putting your all in, then 95% of the time, it's always going to work out. Sarah, that's some brilliant insight. And I'm so glad you were able to share that for a lot of you who might be struggling. I think you are under evaluating yourself and it's worth taking that risk and putting your full effort forward and things usually will go on in the right direction. I wanted to close this. So for everybody listening, I do highly encourage you if you are looking for a life of greatness to definitely check out the podcast for Sarah. It's going to be linked here in the show notes, but I'd want to maybe bring in one question for you because I know if people want to distill what a life of greatness is, they can listen to the fantastic interviews with the great guests that you facilitate. But if there was a message to be shared around a life of greatness that you think would be the most relevant for people who are sitting here and trying to define what that is, what would you tell them? I would say that a life of greatness is not external items. It's not the job that you have, the money that you your your salary or your car. It's none of those things. It's looking within yourself and finding what ticks 
finding your purpose, finding meaning, and then using those abilities once you've got them to help other people so that they can also achieve a life of greatness. Sarah, thank you so much for sharing everything with me today. This was a fantastic conversation. One of the biggest things I've picked up through this conversation is, again, realizing that not everything is a path of entrepreneur to have your own life of greatness. There's so many great opportunities for you to excel and do your best within the right companies. And understanding if you're in a place where the culture allows for your hard work to be recognized will bring you some amazing opportunities. And in the case of Sarah, identify that company within an industry that it seems like was always close to her passions as she's discovered from a very young age, always inching closer and developing the right skills along the way, which comes with a level of trust no matter where you are. It seems like you're developing the right skills that will take you to ultimately where you need to go. I also love the fact that we talked about where are you putting in the extra work? And again, this is agnostic to if you are an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur, an independent salesperson, but are you going the extra mile? Sarah throughout her journey has done that in extensive ways and immediately got recognized, moved up the ladder and now has her own brand or her own show. And it is not an accident. Corporations have vehicle for massive impact and influence. And if you are the person that's ready to put in the work, you will be recognized. And it's not about being a braggy salesy person that's always trying to boast about themselves is putting in the work and bragging the right amount because your work will show for itself and you'll be able to present those results results to the people that can bring you up higher within the organization. And again, it's the attitude around everything coming from a place of love, coming from a place of giving has really led to an incredible career. And you have a fantastic show. Now you get to do incredible things too. And of course, this life of greatness, a lot of it is going to be on the internal work. And what I would highly encourage for those of you on that journey, which I know you are to have your ideal life of greatness, I would highly encourage for you to go subscribe and go and listen to Sarah's top interviews. She brings on fantastic guest and really distill some more insights based on what is a life of greatness for you. Once again, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was such a fun conversation and thank you for being here. Thank you, Jason. And thank you for everything you do. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast.